We would like to first acknowledge that we were on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional gathering grounds for many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked this land and whose presence continue to enrich our vibrant community. We'd also like to take a moment today in light of the upcoming International Day of Education on January 24th, and we're going to drop a link to Inspire. Inspire is a top-rated national Indigenous-led charity and offers a variety of supports for First Nations, Métis, and Inuit students and educators in remote communities, rural areas, and urban centers across Canada. Follow the link to find ways, financial or otherwise, to support education. Hello and welcome back to Research Recast at the Knowledge Mobilization Podcast. I'm Dylan Cave and I'm here with my co-host Brittany Eklund. Today's episode takes us into the world of business where we talk about Indigenous internationalization, the benefits of benefit corporations, and putting your money where your mouth is. Joining us today is Dr. Fernando Angulo Ruiz, a associate professor in the Department of International Business, Marketing, Strategy and Law here at McEwen University. He is also a Board of Governors Research Chair, and his latest research program focuses on understanding the phenomena of hybrid businesses. His body of research also includes research involving Indigenous businesses and benefit corporations. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Fernando. So, yeah, jumping right in. Um, Can you tell us a little bit just about yourself and why you chose to pursue an education and career in business marketing strategy and law? Well, first of all, I would like to say thank you for inviting me to participate, you know, in this uh, in this podcast. It's our pleasure, really. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, uh, that's uh, that's interest. That's an interesting question, you know, because uh, that's the long name of my department. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, my career is in uh, business administration. Okay. And then I'm uh, specialized uh, within that uh, in, in marketing and market uh, research, right? So, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, the, the main uh, motivation for me uh, uh, to pursue, uh, you know, this career is I wanted to understand, you know, why uh, marketing strategy is so successful, you know, in some uh, organizations, well, that was kind of um, uh, the key thing, especially, you know, for my graduate uh, uh, studies and for my uh, undergraduate uh, studies, you know, uh, my family has a background uh, in uh, in business and in the business uh, uh, profession. So I kind of uh, wanted to follow a, a similar uh, pattern, you know, uh, and uh, the other thing, you know, that excited me about uh, uh, my career, you know, was uh, everything related with numbers. You know, my uh, dad is a statistician and I guess, uh, you know, he uh, uh, inspired that uh, to me. So, uh, you know, when uh, when I was uh, studying uh, uh, business, you know, one of the uh, classes that I really like uh, was uh, market research. Okay. You know, and, uh, and all the things, you know, with uh, collecting data and analyzing data, those things excited me a lot, you know, at that at that age, you know, I, I still remember, uh, you know, that I was uh, really excited uh, with uh, designing uh, surveys, you know, who, who, who gets excited, <laughs> you know, for I that. <laughs> but I was, uh, you know, really, really excited. And, 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 you know, after that, you know, going and collecting the data and, uh, and having that data in, in SPSS, you know, 
Uh, I guess, you know, when I try to explain why I like uh, too much SPSS and I like to teach SPSS now to my students, Perhaps mm -hmm. is you that know statistics. Sorry, yeah, it's a, okay. it's a statistical uh, a software, you know, okay. for um, uh, for crunching data and analyzing data. So, uh, yeah, you know, I I really like uh, that side of uh, business. You know, the analytical side, mm -hmm. the, the numerical side. You know, my major uh, was uh, finance at that time. You know, but uh, but I started to work in. Um, in uh, marketing and market uh, research, you know, and after a few years, you know, of uh, following the, um, uh, you know, the, the marketing path, you know, uh, the, the application of marketing, somehow I felt that uh, I found uh, the secret formula for uh, uh, the marketing success uh, in practice. And then I was starting to be bored, you know, in, okay. in, in my, my professional life. So I decided, I guess it's time to... Uh, to teach, you know, what I think is uh, is a secret, you know, of, of of the marketing success. So, and then I went to study, you know, my uh, master and PhD uh, in uh, in Spain, you know, and uh, uh, and that was exactly on marketing and uh, market research, you know, and uh, understanding, you know, new techniques, new statistical tools, you know, for crunching data, you know, in a in a in a more sophisticated but yet a simple uh, way. So and now, very, now I'm here. Yeah, it's very interesting how many of our guests have actually studied in Spain, and it makes me actually think they got something going on over there. You know? <laughs> There's Absolutely. something beautiful about Spain that. Uh, well, it was Eloisa Perez also um, studied in Spain, and she's also in um, finance. like finance. Cheese, yes. So is there like a big culture of of business and finance? Yeah, you know, and uh, I know Eloisa, you know, she's uh, my colleague in the School of Business, you know, and I met her actually in Barcelona. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, Eloisa, you know, is a, a good friend, you know, of uh, of us, you know, my wife and I, and uh, and she was also helpful, you know, for us to come to Canada and to, and to get into McEwan. You know, I shouldn't say that, I guess, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, there is a saying that networks uh, matter. You know, and mm -hmm. uh, and I uh, I uh, live that you know on my own skin. So yeah, I'm. I love that. Yeah. So you you made the transition to teaching, um, and you've also published um, a few books, or one big book. <laughs> Just uh, I I got yeah that's that's a that's a great question you know and uh, I got actually my first book. You know, uh, uh, published on uh, the internationalization of uh, indigenous uh, businesses. Mm -hmm. So, in the past, I have also uh, published uh, book chapters, okay. you know, as part of books. But uh, the main part of my uh, research is uh, disseminated through uh, scholarly uh, articles published okay. in, journals. in journals. Yeah. You know? So, I guess, like, my question is, um, you know, you made the transition from you know market researcher, and then you studied. Now you're teaching. Now that you're working um, not only as a teacher, but also like as a, a researcher, what drives you now? Like what's your new passion um, for research and what motivates you as a researcher? That's a, uh, that's a great question, you know, and sometimes seems easy, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, a bit uh, difficult. But, you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, that drives me a lot, you know, are uh, finding the new things. You know, uh, especially within uh, business and uh, and management, you know, and, and understanding, you know, those uh, 
uh, new things or uh, or things that uh, business and management research uh, hasn't placed too much of attention right so um, so that that's why you know part of my research uh, includes uh, you know sectors uh, such as uh, businesses from emerging economies you know like um, uh, businesses in peru businesses in uh, in uh, bulgaria for instance uh, businesses in in china you know so uh, because we need to know more about uh, those uh, those businesses or uh, or, or research on, on women led businesses you know also mm-hmm. that i'm not a principal researcher on that you know but uh, you know my drive on kind of uh, finding uh, what's new and uh, what's interesting to contribute that can be uh, different you know um, uh, put me uh, in uh, um, you know uh, researching uh, uh, these areas you know as as well uh, indigenous business you know that was a a, a very uh, you know exciting uh, area you know and a new area you know for mm-hmm. me it, it was new back in a uh, back in 2014 you know and, and i was glad you know to uh, uh, to see that uh, there were uh, some researchers you know working on that uh, here in canada and, and the rest of the world right or the world of uh, social enterprises or yeah. now the world of uh, benefit corporations, right? So these are kind of uh, new uh, 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 models of businesses, you know, that are emerging, you know, uh, probably, you know, as as, uh, as an answer to uh, the traditional kind of uh, uh, businesses. Yeah. So um, moving on, can, can we talk about your book a little bit? Yes. Uh, so, yes. So, so your book, New Frontiers in the Inter... No, internationalization business. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about your book, and um, you know we're going to definitely give a link in the episode description of where we can find this book uh, for for people to purchase. Um, but yeah, you know, take it away on w- what is all this book is all about. <laughs> uh, so um, you know, uh, <clears throat> my um, you know, research program on indigenous businesses, you know, started uh, back in uh, 2014, uh, 2015. So, and I got uh, uh, this book uh, published uh, last year in 2020. So, uh, so definitely, you know, my, the head start on, on indigenous uh, um, businesses in Canada, you know, and my partnership with uh, the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Businesses, you know, has been uh, uh, crucial, you know, for me to, uh, you know, uh, work on this uh on this book, so at the beginning of my uh, uh, kind of program on indigenous businesses, I uh, relied on the, the data that was collected um, uh, through the Canadian Council and by the Canadian Council of Aboriginal Business, and they kindly uh, shared that uh, data uh, with me. Right. So then, after uh, you know analyzing uh, that uh, data, you know uh, observing uh, uh, some patterns. You know one of the interesting things that uh, that I observed uh, was uh, that uh, there is a, a good percentage of indigenous businesses that are doing business internationally, right? So uh, and that is a thirty percent. You know around thirty percent. Oh, thirty percent. Yeah. So. And then, uh, and and that compares to about um, you know eight to fifteen percent of mainstream businesses. So in, a greater Canada. number of indigenous right. businesses are actually international. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, at least in in percentage, in relative uh, terms. Right. Uh, uh, so then I kind of I wanted to dig further 
on that uh, 30%, and I wanted to understand uh, more about uh, them. So then I got, uh, you know, uh, I applied to uh, uh, the research office, you know, for a strategic uh, grant, and uh, my uh, project was, uh, uh, you know, uh, selected, you know, as part of that. So I got uh, some uh, thousands of dollars there, you know, that were uh, very helpful for the, uh, the collection of, uh, of uh, new data. As well, uh, the School of Business, you know, has been crucial, uh, the School of Business of McEwan, you know, to uh, fund uh, the data collection, you know, for uh, for my book. So uh, so then uh, in this book, I collected uh, data on uh, uh, three, 300 uh, businesses, you know, in Is Canada. Is that like across? Okay, uh, uh, yeah, across yeah, uh, the country. Uh, in Canada and uh but the the thing that I wanted to uh, uh, to do, you know, in this book is to uh, uh, you know uh, do a little bit of uh, cross comparative uh, research, you know. So uh, uh, so then I collected data on indigenous businesses and on non-indigenous businesses. Okay, so uh, kind of uh, to see uh, what is different, you know, what is uh, uh, what is similar. And um, and the data, you know, uh, we collected uh, was uh, from businesses based in Alberta and, and British Columbia. You okay. Know, that, that's kind of uh, the picture of uh, this book. So uh, very local. Yeah, businesses, uh, you know, headquartered here in uh, in Alberta and, and British Columbia. So half of them are uh, indigenous, self-identified indigenous businesses, and the other half are non-indigenous uh, businesses, right? So... Uh, so then the, the book is is, is all about um, uh, that you know great part of the book uh, the book has uh, eight uh, chapters you know and five of those uh, chapters you know uh, uh, compare indigenous uh, with non-indigenous businesses uh, and then uh, the last three uh, chapters are uh, based on uh, data that uh, was uh, shared by the Canadian Council for Aboriginal um, business yeah so just going like way back to the beginning um why were you interested in studying indigenous businesses um specifically and you know beyond that you said you know you're interested in other countries why indigenous businesses in canada that's a great great question you know i'm i'm from peru originally you know i have um um, a good uh, Metis uh, culture, you know, from um, uh, uh, from Peru, you know, and uh, so uh, you know why Canada? You know, that's a that's a very good uh, that's a very good question, right? So I'm kind of um, a visitor in the Canadian land, so to say, right? Although I'm now Canadian, <laughs> new Canadian. Uh, so I think uh, you know. Uh, uh, that uh, drive that I was telling you before, you know, of identifying, um, you know, uh, groups of uh, organizations of businesses that mm-hmm. have not been uh, paid uh, too much attention, you yeah. know, I think uh, uh, was an important uh, driver, you know, and and uh, and besides that, you know, I remember that. Uh, you know, one of these days I was uh, watching, uh, you know, one program on, uh, on the Business Network and uh, and the CEO of uh, CCAB, you know, the, the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Businesses, was being interviewed, you know, and he was talking about all this uh, excellent work that they have been doing, you know, in collecting uh, good data, excellent data from uh, indigenous businesses across Canada. You know, so then I said, hmm, that's, uh, that's interesting. You know, I'm going to approach, uh, um, 
JP Gladue, you know, at the time uh, the CEO, and um, so I, I approach uh, I approach them, you know, and um, and uh, after almost a year of conversations, you know, uh, uh, we decided to work uh, uh, together, you know, and uh, we organized uh, an event on uh, indigenous businesses here in 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 Edmonton, you know, and uh, so we attracted. Uh, 100 or more, you know, indigenous uh, business uh, uh, people. You Did know, you to guys, the event. Uh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt. Did you guys work with Axis Edmonton at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So I have participated as well in some uh, Axis uh, events, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they are doing excellent work as well, mm -hmm. you know, on, on uh, indigenous businesses, you know, on, on the field, you know, and I think, uh, uh, you know, I, I have had the opportunity to meet uh, some of those folks, you know, uh, in, in Axis, you know, and, uh, um, and yeah. Yeah, I wrote a piece for the Globe and Mail on indigenous businesses during the pandemic. Um, and I talked to like Rocky Sinclair from Axis. And I did interview, I think, the vice president of um, the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. Mm -hmm. This was last year. Uh, but what surprised me was the width and like breadth and richness of the indigenous economy. And like you said, I don't think it's something that a lot of people know exists and they might just chalk up indigenous businesses to being maybe just artisans or, you know, creators of culturally relevant products, but it's not, it's like a massive network. So I guess in that vein, um, what are some of your major takeaways from working with CCAB and from researching indigenous businesses? Like, Beyond the rate of internationalization, what are some things that would really surprise people that you've learned, like about the indigenous economy um, in Edmonton, Alberta, BC, like Canada? Right. So, you know, one of those uh, things that surprised me, uh, you know, is uh, find that that uh, you know high rate of uh, indigenous businesses that are uh, doing business internationally. So uh, the, the other uh, interesting things, you know, uh, that I uh, was able to identify and find in my own uh, uh, data, you know, uh, kind of uh, was the idea of uh, the importance of the local community. You know, so, uh, uh, so I was uh, finding that all over and all over uh, again, you know, as part of the philosophy and the purpose of, uh, of uh, an indigenous business, you know, specifically uh, an indigenous business here in Canada, you know, and... Uh, so uh, that kind of uh, confirms, you know, what uh, what we tend to uh, think, you know, about uh, indigenous uh, businesses, you know, that the community is, uh, is uh, prevalent and relevant uh, for them. So the, the other uh, interesting thing, you know, that I was able to um, identify, you know, is, uh, is the rate of, uh, uh, or, or the, sp the speed of, uh, uh, of businesses when going internationally specifically like the growth yeah. rate of their business do you mean or the number of years that they take you know after they have started uh, their business how many years they take uh, to go internationally right so um so in the mainstream world so what i was what i was able to identify with this data was that they take about uh, six or seven years you know to uh, venture internationally but uh, for the indigenous uh, uh, businesses, you know, uh, they take about two years, you know. So that's kind of uh, very interesting, you know, that uh, you, you, you perhaps would not expect, you know. But, uh, 
but yeah, you know, I, that, that makes me think, you know, that they are very uh, business-driven, uh, you know, uh, business-oriented uh, because they want to have uh, impact. You For know? sure. And impact is, is an important uh, word as well, you know, that we need to take into consideration, you know, when, when I'm personally doing this research, right? Impact, you know, research that is benefiting them, you know, so... Uh, so do you think that's part of why... Um, there is a higher percentage of indigenous businesses going international. I, I would say, you know, that can be a that can be a, a factor that can explain uh, that can explain that. You know, is, uh, is there any other factors that might? Um, I, I would say the risk orientation as well. You know, and they, sorry, what's risk orientation for that, those that might that not they know? can just go for it? You know, they don't. They are not too conservative. You know, they are not afraid to wait too much. You know, imagine you know, after two years, the business is still. You know, in the nascent stages, but some of them just decide to go. Just go for it. Exactly. You know, and uh, and the other thing that has, uh, um, uh, you know, facilitated this as well is um, technology, you know, and internet, you know. And uh, so recently I was uh, uh, kind of uh, trying to understand the use of uh, uh, social media, for instance. Right? So... And it's amazing, you know, to see uh, how uh, indigenous businesses are adopting that, you know, and using that uh, to their advantage, you know, and and uh, and that uh, latest research, for instance, you know, uh, uh, has uh, shown that, uh, you know, actually, uh, you know, the, the, the usage of different uh, social media platforms is actually helping them to go and do more business uh, internationally, right? Yeah. So for me, that's kind <laughs> of interesting, you know, it's... I think you know uh, when you ask me about uh, motivations here. I think we need to more. We need to know more about uh, them, you know, and uh, we need to uh, change uh, some of the stereotypes, you know, that we might have about uh, indigenous people in general, you know, and uh, we could start learning a whole lot exactly. from from these businesses by the sounds of it of how quickly they're able to reach inter international markets for sure. Um, I think that's that's. Absolutely. Uh, like that's, that's knowledge to me. That is really, really interesting news. I think it does. It surprises a lot of people to, to know that there is like such a large flourishing, um, indigenous economy, which is a word that I was like, Oh, I've never heard this before, but yeah. Talking with CCAB, talking with access, um, even talking with business owners and, and seeing kind of from medical supplies to restaurateurs to, um, like indigenous tourism, Alberta has an entire indigenous tourism and it's like a booming sector of that industry so we are going to take a quick break here soon um but before we do i just want to know what's next steps for this um research with the internationalization of indigenous business uh so <clears throat> um what what we want to do uh, more here uh, is uh, more qualitative uh, research so, uh, so far I have been doing um, survey research, you know, or uh, analyzing survey data that has been uh, previously Which collected. Which is your favorite. <laughs> right. So, uh, but, uh, so what, what I'm uh, kind of, I think, uh, one part of the puzzle, you know, that, that, is, that I'm missing, you know, is to have uh, uh, more conversations with uh, uh, indigenous business owners, you know, on a one-on-one -on -one, uh uh, basis, you know, to really uh, dig uh, deeper on those uh, whys, right? On those uh, motivations, what is behind that, that it's difficult to get in, in a survey, you know? Uh, 
so I, I, I believe uh, that's uh, kind of uh, the next uh, step. And also, uh, you know, uh, this uh, research uh, has uh, motivated me uh, to explore uh, other similar uh, businesses, right? And I uh, uh, have ventured uh, myself and with a group of colleagues, you know, understanding uh, benefit corporations. I want to talk a little bit more about benefit corporations, but we're going to take a quick break. Did you know that January 28th is International Data Privacy Day? I didn't either. But now I do, and I'm going to share some things I've learned about privacy protection with you. First, share with care, and think before putting personal information out there online. Second, make sure you have a clean machine with updated security software. Lastly, remember to set your privacy and security settings for each website, browser, and application you use. Data privacy might not sound exciting, but it's important in our digital world. Stay safe while you surf. So before the break, you mentioned benefit corporations, and I know those are something you have researched as well. So Fernando, uh, what are benefit corporations? So that's a that's a fair uh, <laughs> that's a fair question, you know. And uh, so um, you know, uh, so th- there is a group of uh, business, you know, that can be um, uh, classified as a hybrid uh, uh, business, you know. And hybrid uh, uh, businesses, you know, are those uh, uh, businesses that are trying to uh, uh, are trying to uh, you know deal with uh, seemingly conflicting objectives, uh, right? Uh, seemingly conflicting worlds. So, uh, for instance, you know, uh, putting. Uh, you know, the economic motivation, the profit motivation, you know, together with the uh, social okay. motivation, right? Which uh, essentially can be part of uh, opposing worlds, mm-hmm. right? So so these kind of organizations, you know, are trying to um, bring them together, you know, and, and that's a challenge, you know, for uh, these kind of uh, businesses. So... Uh, we say that uh, uh, you know a uh, hybrid uh, uh, businesses are are trying to uh, manage you know uh, multiple objectives, multiple uh, logics, and these uh, objectives, these logics, you know, tend to be opposed, uh, contradictory, right? So so then uh, uh, one group of uh, these uh, hybrid uh, businesses, for instance, are uh, social enterprises. Yeah. You know, and so social enterprises, for instance, they started with. Uh, uh, their main purpose is to have an impact on, on society, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, to try to solve a, a social issue. But as well, you know, they uh, started to understand that they need uh, financial resources, you know, to accomplish those uh, social objectives. So then they started to uh, commercialize, you know, some uh, some things, you know, to uh, to uh, raise funds, you know, yeah. to achieve that yeah, uh, that, well. that social goal, right? So. Um, so then, uh, so w- what has uh, been happening, right? That uh, social enterprises—it's a model of business, you know—but it's it it is not a uh, it's not a legal form of business, okay. right? So then, uh, what what is uh, happening lately is that um, uh, the benefit corporation category, you know, has be is, has become, you know, in in many parts of the world, uh, including. Uh, here, Canada, you know, and British Columbia, I believe, you know, now a uh, benefit corporation is is uh, is a legal form of uh, of business, 
right? So, so then what the benefit corporation, you know, world is, uh, is, is doing is uh, legitimizing, you know, uh, ways of, uh, of uh, pursuing, you know, uh, different objectives, right? Mm-hmm. In this case, a uh, profit and social objectives, you know? So the benefit corporation, therefore, you know, is a hybrid uh, business, you know, that pursues uh, uh, conflicting uh, logics, uh, specifically profit and social, you know? But they have the legal umbrella, you know? Yeah, that- do you have any, like, examples of of companies? Because I know lots of companies have adopted some social objectives and tried to either put out sustainable lines or to, you know, they don't make donations with a certain percentage of sales, but there's like another company that I really like called Tentry. And they, when you buy products, they plant trees. So 10 trees per thing. (laughs) And you can like buy extra trees to offset the shipping costs. So (laughs) I'm just wondering, like, are they like a company that has after after the fact decided to then become social or is a social corporation something that from its get go has like a different distinction? Right. So that's a, that's a great question, you know, and uh, I mean, uh, you, we can argue that uh, some social enterprises were uh, non-profit organizations at some point, you know, that uh, they noticed that they need to raise uh, funds, you know, and started to commercialize, you know, some, uh, some things. So, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, when you ask me for an example of, uh, of a benefit corporation, you know, one, one that uh, pops up to my mind, you know, that is based in Edmonton is, uh, is Poppy Barley. Oh, yeah, Poppy Barley. You know, I don't know if you have heard about that. But, I think they're uh, shoes. Yes. Yeah, yes, I think they, they have are. a storefront on White Ave. Right. So, and, uh, you know, and uh, so uh, what, what we're observing uh, lately, you know, with uh, benefit corporations is that uh, uh, there are some uh, organizations, you know, and, uh, that uh, certified, you know, some um, businesses, you know, to be a, a benefit corporation, you know. And, uh, and this is uh, the B-Lab, you know, so, uh, so what uh, the latest research, you know, is trying to understand, you know, is uh, within the benefit corporation uh, world, you know, what are the dynamics between um, being accredited versus uh, uh, being a, uh, legally, uh, being a legal form, right? right. Within, a, within a province or within a, within a country, you know, and... Uh, uh, that that's uh, that's one of the things that is uh, uh, that is uh, uh, happening lately, you know, as as for uh, uh, benefit uh, corporations. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a world that uh, that it's uh, under constant developing right now. So uh, uh, in in Canada, so there are about uh, uh, you know uh, two hundred and seventy um, about that uh, certified uh, benefit. Uh, oh, across cor- the whole, that ac- seems like whole. a small number. It it is, you know, and uh, and in. Um, in Alberta, you know that number is around uh, twenty-five to thirty, <laughs> right? So okay. in, in Edmonton, I believe there are uh, six um, certified, uh, oh, ben- certified certified benefit. Cor- I am talking about certified benefit corporations. Uh, sorry. So uh, um, and uh, and we are trying to understand, you know, at least uh, those who are uh, certified, you know, uh, benefit uh, corporations. So what what is the steps that are happening between the, these corporations starting maybe as a, as a, a startup 
and a crowdfunded uh, corporation being like, hey, we have this really cool business idea. We want crowdfunding to like help us get there. And then what is the step between them like starting their business and becoming certified as, as that? So one of the things, I'm not an expert of the certification per se, right? Uh, but uh, my understanding is that... Uh, um, no, in in the in the in the uh, legal forms, you know, of the of the uh, of the business, I just forgot the, the name. I guess <laughs> we will have to add that uh, that later. You know, uh, so uh, typically, you know, uh, uh, when a business uh, constitutes, so typically uh, the business is responsible to shareholders only. You know, and yeah. we yeah. we have to put that on. on on, on ink, right? Yeah, on the articles of incorporation. So, incorpor exactly. So, uh, but for the case of, uh, uh, if you want to become a certified, you know, you have to change that. You know, and, and you have to include uh, not just uh, shareholders, but also other stakeholders, right? So, so then uh, the stakes uh, become much more uh, bigger, you know, for, for an organization. So if an organization really want to become a, a benefit corporation, in this case, a certified one, you know, they really don't have to think only in terms of uh, uh, shareholders, but also in terms of other stakeholders like uh, employees, uh, for instance, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, a society, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, uh, customers, you know, they uh, are not, uh, they cannot just say, you know, we are socially oriented. You know, saying is one thing, but actually being. being it is different, you know? So, and that's kind of the interesting thing from my viewpoint of a, of a benefit corporation, you know? More of a that, social structure of that, the company. That you, exactly, that you don't have to only say it, you know? But actually, you know, the articles of incorporation are there, you know? And, and you have to do it as well. If not, you know, there is a risk of you losing that... Uh, that certification in this, yeah. in this case, I mean, right? That's so, really interesting. Maybe it's like my naive little brain, but I mean, I feel like most companies should be beholden to not only the shareholders, but to the community that they operate in and the places where they get are their product from and the people but nobody nobody wants to be legally liable for more than they have to though you know? i suppose <laughs> that's the point that's, yeah, the, that's, that's the, the thing you know um, so the so, ones the ones that do the few that do uh, you know good for them because it is such a it sounds like such a, a more responsibility and right. becoming responsible to your community yeah. so where so where is your research um on benefit corporations you mentioned it's new it's not um complete yet so i'm just wondering now that we kind of know what one is um how are you examining them and like what exactly are you looking for exactly so that's a that's a great question so i uh, i kind of uh, have started uh uh, you know, two uh, uh, research ideas, you know, related with this uh, research program. So one of them, you know, is that, uh, um, you know, through a funding, you know, uh, to a school of business uh, and with the assistance of a research uh, student um, uh, here at the school of business. So I have asked uh, that student, you know, to uh, um, go to the uh, uh, B-Lab website, you know, uh, and uh, scrapped all those uh, businesses, you know, in in uh, that have received a, a benefit corporation a certification, not only here in Canada but uh, uh, but in the world, 
right? So, so now I have a, a database, you know, of uh, all certified uh, benefit corporations in in the world, essentially, from the perspective wow. of the of the B Lab, right? So, uh, and uh, and uh, what we are doing now, you know, is trying to understand uh, how uh, cultural differences. You know, because now we have information from different countries, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, affect you know the adoption of um, of uh, of a B corporation uh, certification. So that's uh, that's uh, one line of uh, of research you know, that uh, that we are doing uh, right now. And the other one is um, uh, we are interested in understanding you know uh, how uh, these organizations are. Uh, managing you know with a conflict you know created by uh, pursuing uh, contradictory uh, objectives right so uh, so for instance research uh, says you know that uh, what uh, some organizations uh, do you know is to uh, create uh, different structures different areas within the organization you know that one is focused on the on the profit objective and the other is focused on the um, on the, the on the social objective, right? And uh, what our organizations are doing, you know, is to uh, 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 is to hire, you know, uh, people, new employees, you know, with that dual mindset, you know, so that uh, really those new employees, you know, are are going to uh, place emphasis on on both contradictory logics. For instance, in the case of profit and uh, and social, right? So uh, we want to understand, you know what is the situation for the case of a benefit corporations but also tying that up to my research on internationalization you know imagine you know it's challenging for a benefit corporations on its own to do business domestically right here in Canada so imagine you know if they go internationally so how you know the fact that uh, they are internationalizing you know is creating much more you know challenge to that uh, or conflict that already exists, right? So how they are, you know, managing, in this case, not only profit, social, but also the the challenge that internationalization uh, brings, right? And what they are doing internally. So uh, so we will be doing qualitative research, okay. you know, on, on this, and, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get funding, you know, because this is going to be a bit... Uh, of uh bit of work of, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's the whole world um i'm curious just in your you know preliminary research have you come across any um like large international benefit corporations or are a lot of them operating in small like poppy barley it's a small local organization right right so I, i'm still you know like i i'm not able to give you yet uh, a name you know of, okay. of, an, of an organization <laughs> but uh but in that uh you know, uh, one of the uh, data points, you know, that I ask uh, uh, my student to uh, uh, to collect is, uh, you know, the whether this uh, certified B Corp, you know, is is selling uh, outside of the the domestic market. If they have uh, international partnerships, right? If they have offices outside of the domestic uh, countries. So and and it's interesting, you know, uh, the level of uh, uh, the percentage, you know, of uh, B corps that are uh, that are international. I'm quite surprised, you know, uh, how uh, uh, 
you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, technology is, is very helpful, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, you know, in the adoption of uh, going international, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I, I guess uh, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what we want to explore. Yeah, you know, I, I imagine it's also, you know, easier as time goes by to maybe have these corporations expand because there is an increasing demand from a workforce to work for a company that actually cares about maybe the environment, maybe it gives back to the community. So I think it's going to be definitely something interesting to watch over the next, you know, five, 10, 15, 20, 45, 50 yeah, this <laughs> years. Is, this is excellent. You know, when, when you took, uh, talk about uh, recruiting employees, right. And the reputation of, uh, of, uh, you know, a benefit uh, a corporations, especially compared to a non-benefit corporation, right? So that's as well on our uh, radar, you know, and thank you for that, you know, for that idea on the employee side. I, I perhaps I'm going to acknowledge you. Oh, no, no, no. no way. <laughs> Yay, I'm a researcher <laughs> too. <laughs> I mean, on the topic of, of, you know, as we're talking about this new, th- well, I, I don't even know how old this idea is of benefit corporation, Um, maybe you can influence us on that as well, but what do you think other corporations can learn from this practice? Like, do you think every corporation should follow suit with, with, with this? Do you think it it works in benefit for these people, for these businesses? Right. So, uh, you know, there is a a research question, you know, by, by a colleague that says, uh, should all companies be hybrid businesses? (laughs) Right. So that's a legitimate question. You know, and obviously, uh, that is going to uh, depend on the uh, on the organization. But uh, but but I think you know, uh, um, the the practices of this kind of uh, businesses, you know, towards a better world, you know, I, I think are exemplary, exemplary. You know, uh, so in in the mainstream world, you know, what we had was uh, this notion of a corporate uh, social responsibility. Right, and there has been lots of research on corporate social uh, uh, responsibility. Right. right, so uh, so the thing you know, the, the thing that I observe uh, sometimes on 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 CSR, you know, is that uh, it is easier to say that you are uh, socially responsible <laughs> than actually <laughs> do so it. So easy to say, you know. So so then, uh, kind of uh, uh, the the one of the situations with CSR, you know, is that. Uh, uh, it it became just um, a PR tool, you know. You you have to say that you are uh, socially responsible, but actually, are you, you know, being socially responsible, right? So that that's uh, one of the questions that I personally have, you know, about uh, this uh, this corporate this uh, this stream, you know, of uh, of research. But uh, so on on the other side, you know, uh, what I uh, wouldn't like to see, you know, in the future is that um, the B Corp, you know, become as well, you know, a label that you have to say you are just because you have to, you know, but uh, but you are not actually being a purpose driven, you know, in mm-hmm. the in the core, you know, I, I, I don't want that to become a communication tool in the future, right? So, right, overused. Exactly. And, and, and uh you know, ex- exploited. There you go. Just kind of, and 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 just using it as like a, a profit booster type of go. type of thing. Just like we do when Pride Week comes around. You know, yeah. all the all the corporate 
ness that comes along with Pride Week now. And the float, and every company has a float, but like maybe their policies aren't particularly friendly to the queer community. Um, or I think it was HM H and M is a great example. I think of this, uh, where a few years ago, relatively recently, um, they came out with a line of sustainable clothing, just a line. So what that said to me was kind of like, you know, you go to the grocery store and they have free range eggs and then the rest of the eggs. And some grocery stores now actually label all the eggs. So it's cage eggs, you know, free run, mm-hmm. open, nest blade, whatever. And that's what that said to me from H&M is it was a glaring red thing of this is the sustainable line of clothing. The rest of it. Don't ask. And I think that things should be labeled as non-sustainable. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, that's that's a that's an interesting thing. You know, these dynamics are interesting to research. You know, and to further understand. And with the idea that hopefully there is going to be much more adoption. You know, of that uh, 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 that uh, uh, philosophy of doing sincere business. adoption it's, of it. There you go. You know, and uh, but as uh, you know, going back to your question on. Uh, can uh, corporations, you know, mainstream corporations benefit from this? Absolutely. You know, and, uh, and uh, you know, the movement is still growing, you know, and benefit uh, uh, corporations, you know, and uh, I think that in a, in a few years down the road, you know, uh, uh, much more uh, businesses are going to be aware of this, you know, and, uh, and, and there's going to be probably as well a higher uh, rate of adoption, right? And also it, it can be expensive, you know, to to I was get, just about to get to ask, certified, you know, and and to and to remain in that practice, mm-hmm. like just the practice alone of 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 becoming a beneficial corporation would be um, quite expensive compared to you know, okay, you have a product, you sell the product, and it's out the door, but now you have to do all these extra steps, and you know, perhaps hire additional staff or 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 additional employees to to make sure that everything is. Um, what you say it is or, or right, beyond. Right, Yeah, so, but I think, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it is, it is the, the, the growth rate, you know, it's, it's positive, you know, and uh, so a few years, you know, just a few years down the road, you know, uh, I believe uh, we had uh, half of benefit corporations that we have now, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's growing and I think it will continue to, grow and as more governments as well you know include that as part of the legislation mm-hmm. so then it's going to be a legitimate form as well you and know? the public i imagine like i've heard that voting with your dollar is not like it doesn't work do you think that that's applicable in this situation like if if people can show that they were will overwhelmingly support a benefit corporation over like you know, a big evil one. Um, Let's <laughs> not call like, them would evil. That, <laughs> would that encourage more companies to kind of incur some extra costs to gain a more loyal or supportive customer base in the long run? Like, does voting with your dollar work? I, I think you know. I think uh, it, I think it has a it has an effect. You know, there is a certain certainly you know a, a group of. Uh, a percentage of people in the population, you know, not only in Canada, but in the world, you know, that, you know, consciously prefer this kind of uh, organizations, this kind of uh, uh, businesses, you know, and it's growing, 
you know. So uh, it's expensive as well, you know, the dollars, yeah. the, the, that's kind of um, uh, the thing. So we had Planet Organic, I don't know if you remember, yeah. yep. right? Everything was organic, you know, but uh, it, it went uh, bankrupt, right? Oh, wow. So now we don't have that uh, anymore, right? So, um, but... Uh, it was hard to support when you had to pay... It was like $30 for a half pound of walnuts. Yeah, but it's, I mean, that's the thing. It's hard is um, like personally, I've decided I don't want to support fast fashion anymore. So I only want to buy secondhand or clothes that are sustainably made. Um, doesn't have to be like organic cotton, but I want ethical and I want sustainable. And that means I never get new clothes anymore because it's so, <laughs> but it's so, so, so expensive. Um, and the quality is, you know, better, but you know, secondhand is an option. Again, if you're a person who's on a budget or a person on a time budget and you don't have time to go sift through a secondhand store, you don't have the money to ship in, you know, your organic cotton, sustainably ethically made pants that are $300. Like there's very little choice we're given to make those choices often because it, it is so expensive. Very true. Yeah. And, and that is also an opportunity for businesses, you know, and uh, to think innovatively so, and, and I'm sure that, you know, if uh, an, uh, an organization, an entrepreneur, you know, who is able to crack that model, you know, that uh, the organics really sustainable is available, you know, and accessible to a larger uh, percentage of people, I think that that's going to be a winner, right? For sure. So, you know, there's all these little... Um, little online shops that pop up clothing clothing pop-up shops and they're a lot of them are local where they just they do the thrifting for you <laughs> they go to, they go to the 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 value village or the salvation army or wherever and they'll find all the cool things and buy <laughs> buy them up and then they'll sell them to you um, so you don't have to go through sorting through those there's a, a one in edmonton called concrete closet that oh. is that is really awesome and it's strictly like an instagram account it's wow. a it's a private business on a Instagram account, and uh, they're doing ex uh, extremely well. And there is another one from Calgary, um, um, or sorry, from Drumheller, and I can't the the name escapes me, but it's all Western wear and tack. And um, their partner is a musician, and they tour around, and they tour around with them, and then they have their little Western wear store that they set up at their shows. So they sell all this Western wear that's all secondhand at, at their shows, and it's really it's a really cool model. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. As as we're talking about clothing, <laughs> <laughs> I got so caught up on it. So okay, so I just want to pull back just a teensy bit. Um, so you're you've collected kind of your database of of companies you're going to look at, and you're looking for funding. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. So, uh, especially you know, uh, for doing this uh, uh, qualitative research, you know, and uh, that needs uh, much more funds than just uh, sending uh, out uh, surveys, you know, and uh, uh, and as well, you know, building more partnerships, you know, that that's yeah. going that's going to be a, that also takes a, a time, you know, traveling, you know, meeting people, you know. Uh, Sounds net, lovely. Net, networking, <laughs> you know, but but, but you, you need dollars, right, yeah. uh, uh, for that. And as well, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, w when you uh, build your own databases based on public information, you know, you cannot go that uh, in depth, right? So, for instance, in, in that uh, database, I'm not able to see, uh, uh, you know, how they are dealing internally, 
you know, with uh, potential conflicts that uh, opposing objectives, you know, yeah. may create. I mean, it's impossible to get that. So the best way to get that is through uh, uh, through interviews, you know, one-on-one -on -one interviews, for instance. But uh, what we are, are going to do as well in the plans, you know, as part of that uh, funding uh, project, you know, is that um, after we have interviewed many of those uh, uh, business owners or uh, top management team, you know, we, we are going to come up with our own survey, you know, uh, a kind of uh, uh, trying to come up, and this is going to be difficult, you know, trying to come up with uh, 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 different um, uh, strategies, right, that organizations are using to uh, managing uh, conflicts, you know, related with uh, profit and social, for instance, right, and, and then measure that. You know, and uh, so we are planning to uh, collect a large scale of data as well to try to uh, generalize, you know, the different uh, strategies that yeah. businesses are doing. And I'm really excited about that that work. So we are hoping to get that as well published in a in, in a very good journal, you know. But uh, but that takes uh, time and money, you know. And and this is going to be my project for the next. Uh, four or five years wow, oh, you know? wow. So, uh, yeah, that's huge yeah so yeah <clears throat> well uh keep us posted hopefully we're still up and running <laughs> in four or five years um and we can talk about it because i am i'm fascinated um as someone who is socially driven and who knows a lot of socially driven people the idea that the business world and kind of um this big money-making machine can is actually changing in a way that makes it more accessible for more people and maybe a little gentler on the world around it. Um, that's kind of all the questions we had for you today. But before we kind of end off, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to lead the conversation. So is there anything important we missed, like about your research or anything? I think, uh, you know, uh, we went through my uh, end of uh, the research programs, you know, that I'm uh, mostly focused, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, perhaps, uh, you know, one uh, one interesting uh, research program that I, also, that I also have, you know, is, uh, uh, you know, uh, higher education marketing, right? So given that we are in a university, you know, and, uh, and, and that was kind of the starting of my career, you know, okay. on uh, how to uh, recruit and attract students, you know, to uh, universities. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's so huge. That was uh, kind of, uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, it's important as well, you know, and, uh, and you know, I, I'm partnering with uh, uh, and working together, you know, with uh, some people involved in marketing here, for instance, at, at McEwan, you know, uh, uh, with the international office, you know, that is interested in recruiting international students, you know, that's kind of a, a research that is uh, uh, more practical, you know. A hundred percent. But my, ch my challenge, you know, uh, as, as, a, as an academic researcher, you know, has been to uh, how to convert uh, that into uh, ac academic research, yeah. right? And contribute uh, to theories, uh, for instance, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, that that's also keeping me awake, you know, uh, uh, and I find it uh, very, very interesting, especially given that uh, that was uh, uh, my first paper was on that, you know, on, on uh, international, uh, sorry, uh, marketing of higher education uh, institutions. So um, 
that that's interesting, you know, and uh, I didn't talk about uh, in this uh, podcast, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, that's I guess that's, that's one of the pieces, and and the other piece is as well, you know, my uh, own research on um, uh, capabilities and marketing uh, capabilities, you know, and. Uh, uh, which kind of capabilities, for instance, you know, make uh, organizations to have a, a better performance, right? So that was kind of the start as well of uh, my career. My my PhD uh, thesis was on uh, capacity and, and performance, right? And, uh, you know, all that questioning that, you know, especially questioning the financial uh, uh, gains kind of thing, you know, uh, has led me to... Uh, new avenues right which yeah. are the avenues that uh, that uh, we have talked you know in this post which is nice it's, it's kind of like a river and there's little tributaries and then they come back to the the main interest that you have so sorry i just want to check so your research on marketing towards students you're still like carrying on now yeah yeah so your yeah. entire Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm still working on that, you know. And uh, so today I I, I had a, a deadline actually, you know, to submit a, a revision of a paper, you okay. know, on uh, on uh, uh, on reputation and marketing, you know. And uh, yeah, it's it's great, you know. I, I really like it, and I'm working uh, with uh, with a uh, become uh, honors uh, student, you know, on that. Uh, on that piece, you know, we have been able to collect uh, data from uh, uh, current uh, international students, yeah. you know, to understand uh, what are their motivations, you know, what are their, uh, which uh, marketing uh, communication methods are effective in their decisions, you know, with the idea to uh, uh, kind of to extrapolate, you know, and help uh, uh, universities to think about uh, how they can attract, you know, and become attractive to uh, international students, yeah. right? Yeah, that is huge. And that's part of the 2030, you know, uh, Alberta agenda, yeah. you know, uh, on, and one of the objectives is attracting international students, you know, for uh, for universities. So I find that uh, very relevant, you know, uh, still now, yeah. you know, and, and especially for us here in Alberta, so that's uh, uh yeah that that's interesting you know I mean I, I yeah like... I think it's fantastic that you've been studying this um for so long so what I guess like what what do you know what can you tell us about like what makes a university attractive to students and why and what do you think could in, in increase that Yeah right, so <laughs> these these two are excellent questions you know and uh so, uh, so in, in in marketing, you know, uh, uh, typically uh, uh, what uh, organizations, you know, and uh, uh, in this case, uh, universities uh, uh, tend to do, you know, is to uh, invest in uh, traditional marketing, right? So, uh, tra and traditional uh, under this umbrella, you know, we can have uh, print uh, brochures, right, uh, uh, magazines, TV, outdoor. <laughs> right <laughs> right across the street from the university there you go right so uh but as well you know uh, uh, organizations are uh, uh, doing and adopting uh, uh, new technologies you know and uh, social media specifically right so uh, uh and as well uh, relationship marketing you know and, and relationship marketing you know is uh for instance you know when uh, uh you know, people from the university go and visit uh, high schools, 
for yeah. instance, right? So to have that uh, face-to-face interaction. So what is my research telling about this tree? You know, I mean, it's, telling, it's telling me that you're going to send me to Spain and <laughs> to, to recruit new people and tell them about our podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, so the research is telling that uh, of these three, you know, the uh, the activity that uh, is uh, more effective in uh, attracting students is uh, relationship marketing. Really, like even over social media. Even. You wow. know, and so that is, uh, it's it's keeping, you know, it's it's a variable that is being significant in all the research that I'm doing, you know, relationship marketing. Traditional, however, doesn't, I, I'm, I'm yet to be able to find uh, some uh, results that are strongly, you know, supporting the use of uh, uh, traditional advertising in this case, right? And in the latest one, you know, uh, social media marketing, you know, is, is becoming uh, important, you know, especially uh, when we are uh, recruiting uh, or planning to recruit uh, international uh, students, right? So uh, building those partnerships with other international universities and stuff like that, maybe as well, right? you know, going yeah. visiting those places. Exactly. That's for me, that's kind of uh, uh, critical, you know, in the end, uh, you know, universities are part of a service environment. And when we're talking about service uh, organizations like banks, you know, uh, restaurants, you know, that interaction, that personal interaction, right? Not necessarily face-to-face now, you know, with COVID, you know, but that people seeing you, listening to you live, you know, creates a different connection, you know, than just throwing something else out, you know? Oh, it's and, so easy to dismiss advertising because we've we've been given so much advertising forced in our face where we've now almost trained ourselves to reject anything that comes in in, in, in sight that we notice is an advertisement. You're right. over un- inundated. Like, it's just so much all the time. So, yeah, having that, a real human connection which is funny to me because i feel like a lot of people want to do online banking they want to order their groceries they want the uber driver to leave the food at the door like don't even knock i don't yeah, even yeah. i don't want to even see you <laughs> right so but, and yet still that exactly. that personal connection especially is- for those high involvement uh, services right like i mean coming to a university you know it's kind of an agreement for two or five years Right, five in my case. <laughs> right, so <laughs> so I think uh, you know, and that that's uh, what we call in marketing and high involvement decision making. Right, so I mean, I will be in that relationship for for that time, you know, and I will be paying lots yeah, of money. I'm paying for this relationship, right? and if you're so, international, you are moving to a new country. Away from your family, away from your friends, away from your support system. So right. I imagine that marketing towards international students um, has different kind of success yes, rates. Yes. So, and the interesting thing, you know, of the of the latest uh, uh, research, you know, is that uh, so w- which kind of impressions, you know, uh, organizations, uh, universities in this case, you know, have to build, have to create, and obviously sustain. You know, so that uh, the marketing practices are effective, right? So this is kind of, uh, uh, you know, the model that I have been working on, you know, linking uh, marketing activities with impressions and, and, and reputation, you know. And, and when we're talking about impressions, you know, the, the usual suspects are there from the research. You know, quality of education has to be there. You know, it's still a, 
a, a, a desired you know a, a trait that the university mm -hmm. has to offer has to have a, i'd imagine one for, of the more important exactly exactly <laughs> right and, and for the case of international students for instance is integration student integration right so because they want to be integrated you know culturally you know they want to be part of this they don't want to be they don't want to come here and feel outside right so uh, uh that, that these are kind of uh some of the uh um in, the key impressions you know uh for uh you know uh, building reputation and, uh, and attracting in this case uh international uh, students right but the the research question that i have is uh it's kind of a link in the three right so I'm, i was kind of uh you know uh asking myself so which kind of which kind of impressions marketing activities have to build so that they can affect uh, reputation positively right so it's linking uh, kind of uh, the three right so yeah and for instance what i have been able to find is uh that relationship marketing you know when we are in those uh, uh, interactions you know one of the uh, drivers or the impressions that they have to build you know in those conversations is about quality of education no the message has to be about quality of education so that uh, uh, it it builds affect and affects our reputation and uh, uh, through social media you know one of the interesting things that we have been able to identify is that um, you know those impressions you know that uh, international students may be uh, looking you know to hear and to read is about the student integration right so those uh, social media posts you know uh, comments you know have to be all about the student integration mm -hmm. right so but the, but not just uh, kind of a, the caution and warning that i have you know is that uh, not just a promise you know that uh, you come here because you will be integrated but actually have a system in place here that uh, that the students will be uh, will be integrated so that that's kind of uh, the interesting thing you know so so theor theoretically kind of or, or academically i have been able to kind of a tie you know the different aspects of the of the puzzle there you know to contribute to uh, to the literature but also as you can probably expect you know that has real practical implications you know that universities in this case you know can quickly use and uh, and build their uh, marketing strategies right on, yeah. on that so i think it's interesting that like from the benefit corporations um and hybrid businesses and university like marketing kind of the overarching theme i'm getting is put your money where your mouth is like you can't <laughs> just say it you have to do it because i mean maybe you draw people in but if you're not what you say you are in the end yeah that's 100% like you got to you got to you got to put it behind what you say for sure yeah. <laughs> well Absolutely. that's almost all the time um we have for today i don't want to leave though um very early on in our conversation uh while you were talking about um your own experience as a student um and doing your your doctoral research you said you found a secret to success and then you went on to teach that i'm wondering Tell me your secrets. Yeah. What is that secret and has it changed over time? Like, is there a new secret? What was the first secret? 
So uh, if you want to know the secret, you need to uh, register in the <laughs> in the marketing major, become program at McEwan, and I'm just uh, doing advertising. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, you know, I I think uh, the principles are uh, are the same. You know, uh, technology you know has uh, uh, has had an impact as well to uh, adapt and modify it as some of those uh, uh, principles. You know, but uh, when people ask me. So what's the secret of marketing? The secret of marketing, you know, is not just uh, communications, right? This is what I tell them, you know, in simple, the secret of marketing includes having the right product, you know, having the right price, you know, for that product, you know, making that product available to the target market and obviously communicate all that. Right, so that that's part of the puzzle, you know, and and as well, you know, uh, the target market, you know, is as well part of the part of the puzzle. So this is kind of a, a short, you know, uh, idea of uh, what we do in in marketing and what we teach in 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 the marketing major, you know. That's and then uh, uh, technology, you know, it's kind of uh, affecting a little bit and those principles, you know. But the principles, uh, I think, are are still the same, you know. Okay. Well, I, I thank mean, you. I just <laughs> I, I use the example of Firefest, I think, as as like the the epitome of of like good marketing, but not following through. Um, if you've heard of this music festival, Firefest, um, I heard a bit, yeah. But perhaps you can tell us. Yeah, yeah of course. So <laughs> you know, the, it's there. There was this 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 big big scheme to put on this amazing music festival uh on this remote island and the, it was it, the the marketing behind it was just like insane they put like crazy crazy celebrities behind it and said influencers, that influencers in, influencers yeah celebrities were it, all gonna be there at the party yeah and so they sold so many tickets and but they they weren't they didn't anticipate like they didn't plan anything. Once people got there, they they didn't even have places to sleep. They had to they had or eat or anything. They, yeah, they, no they, bottled water. They, it, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. A, it was it was absolutely insane, and they, they got sued for a lot of money for doing it. But uh, they got a lot of people there. Their marketing worked, but they didn't follow through. It's like the movie and it was a big set failure. when you you go and you touch it and it. Falls over. falls over there you go it was a big mirage good yeah. marketing but uh, yeah. no product yeah. good, good i guess good promises right yeah. good communication yeah. you know and uh but nothing behind yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's not just and that and you know when you touch on influencers on social media the success is not just that you know now it's easy you know it's accessible for everyone but there has to be something there for sure otherwise you may catch people once, you know, but they are not going to repeat. Exactly. And that's not marketing. We don't want that. You know? <laughs> no. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is this has been really great uh, having this conversation with you. Uh, and I hopefully we can catch up uh, uh, again down the road soon to talk about where your research is at and, and things moving forward. But... We're just going to go ahead and um, <laughs> do our outro. Well, everyone, that's it for this episode of Research Recasted. If you're looking for some more bang for your buck, you can head to the episode description and get down to business with them links. You can invest in this podcast by supporting us with a follow on your favorite podcast platform with new episodes every two weeks. You can also head over to Instagram at 
Research Recasted and give us a like and a follow there too. This has been Research Recasted, a knowledge mobilization podcast brought to you by the Office of Research Services and the Faculty of Fine Art and Communication at McEwen University. Research Recasted is hosted and produced by Dylan Cave and Brittany Eklund. Music, sound, design, and editing are by Dylan Cave, with research, copy editing, and scripting by Brittany Eklund. Executive producers are Jason Malenko and Ray Bree.